Apple Watch fail? And Reese Witherspoon, actress or online retail brand? This is episode 19 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I am Mark Ramsey. And I am Tom Asacker. Tom, Apple Watch fail? I had to put the question mark at the end of that because so many people are so into this Apple Watch, and yet I just have this sense of foreboding. Do you know what I'm talking about there? (laughs) You know, when I heard we were going to talk about this, have you bought one? No, I have not bought one. I've seen them up close, and I've talked to people who are wearing them. All right, well, listen, I haven't bought one either, so I feel a little bit conflicted. Uh, like maybe we shouldn't be talking about this. I remember a friend of mine years ago, he was railing against me because I was seriously considering not voting in the upcoming elections. And, and he said to me, and this was unequivocal, he said that if I didn't vote, I had to keep my bleeping mouth shut. I had to just sit back and take it <laughs> like a man. So, you know, I'm sitting there going, well, Mark and I really haven't bought one of these watches, so... <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be. <laughs> so wait a minute. You mean to tell me that we have to buy everything in order to no, evaluate it? No, I didn't say it's, buy uh, it. I was hoping it's, someone it's... would just ship one to us so we could try it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that trick's, that trick's been used in the past, believe me. It doesn't work with Apple. I guess So let me, let me give you some of the details here. Here's some statistics. First of all, the projections on this thing are for sales of 15 million uh, units which uh, just, you know, as a point of reference, is more than double what the original iPhone sold in its first year. Now, they, you know, it ain't baked till it baked, and some of the original estimates were more in the 20 million range, so this has actually come down somewhat. I think that's interesting. Um, So the issue's not that people aren't going to buy this, or at least not 15 million people aren't going to buy this. Um, But let's go through some of the pros and cons of this thing, and then you tell me kind of how you see this from the perspective of, of media. Okay. So the item costs anywhere from $349 to $17,000. So It's like that Pacquiao <laughs> fight, right? Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You can you can watch it in your from Periscope for free or you can pay $100 <laughs> for it. It's kind of the same scale except multiplied by, you know, to the nth power. So $17,000 at the high end for a watch that I think most folks would agree is god-awful ugly. This is one of the ugliest pieces of technology I've seen since maybe Generation 1 iPod. Well, it's strange because didn't they hire all kinds of fashion experts? You know, executives with, with, you know, records uh, in the industry for creating that type of stuff. Of course, of course. But here's the thing. If you really think about it, given that the face of the watch is the face of the watch... The difference between $349 and $17,000 is an expensive band. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the one part of the watch that is unrelated to the presumed functionality of the device is that which gives it its premium value. Isn't that ironic? Yeah, no, that's, I didn't think of it that way. Hey, you know, the other thing is if they made a pocket watch version, wouldn't that just be the iPhone? <laughs> Don't you have to have that in your pocket? That's interesting. Well, see, now, uh, let's go through some of the reasons. I talked to a guy the other day who was sporting his, you know, he's always first in line to get new Apple products. um, And he was sporting his Apple Watch. And I said, so what's your take on it? He said, well, everybody says the same thing. Well, I'm disappointed, but I'm sure by the second or third version, it'll be great. Oh, God. (laughs) That's like a relationship. Yeah, the first date wasn't too good, but... (laughs) So, 
<clears throat> here's some of the reasons why I think he and others are disappointed. I'm just going to tick these off, and you tell me what you think about these. First of all, what is the must-have feature, Tom? What's the killer reason to have this thing? How does it make your life better? How does it save you time? What problem does it solve? Somebody needs to answer that for me in a way that doesn't say, well, oh, it, you know, it, it tells you, it, it checks your heart rate and functions as a, you know, as, oh, as Mark, some of these other on. gadgets. You know, you, listen, here's what you're doing. You're jumping on that old jobs to be done thing. <laughs> Fashion has nothing to do with jobs to be done. <laughs> Watch doesn't even have to do anything. As long as you've got it on your arm and it says Apple, everybody goes, wow. Well, okay, let me shift gears a little bit because I, I looked up and I saw a piece. Here's the five reasons why the Apple Watch will succeed. And this relates to your point exactly. <laughs> Number one, it's from Apple. And I thought, well, okay. <laughs> Number two, it's from Apple. <laughs> Number two, the Apple ecosystem, a.k.a. it's from Apple. Number three, it's got style, a.k.a. it's from Apple. Number four, it looks fun, a.k.a. it's from Apple. Number five, it does more than what competing smartwatches do, which, of course, are almost all designed to do less anyway. So, in other words, the five reasons to buy the watch are purely fashion uh, and, and, and Apple, to your point. Um, compared to all the things that are kind of irritating people. Let me, again, tick through some of these besides the ugly. So we're moving to larger uh, screens, right? That was the big thing with the iPhone 6 mm -hmm. and the 6 Plus is that they're a little larger. And here we have one that's smaller than ever. We've got a host of new interactions and movements and buttons with this device. In fact, that's what my friend was complaining about. He said, there's all kinds of things, behaviors I need to get used to in terms of how to use this. In other words, it's the first truly non-intuitive Apple device. It's like a pet. You have to train the thing. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know what? That's really true. It is like a pet, isn't it? It's a pet from Apple, and who wouldn't want that pet? <laughs> so I was thinking in terms of, okay, jobs to be done is a bad excuse, but you have to at least be mindful that there's certain jobs you don't need to be done. For example, MailChimp does my email list for one of my blogs, and uh, MailChimp was all excited to announce their Apple Watch app so that you can check up on the status of your email campaigns at any time. And I thought, <laughs> is that what I need my watch to do? <laughs> check up on the status of my email campaigns at any time? Oh, man. Maybe to check up on things like the guy painting your house. And, you know, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Yeah. But he'd have to have a watch too, I That's guess. That's the thing. Now, there is one application which I think is promising. And God forbid I should focus on a job to be done, but it's Apple Pay. I mean, the idea of being able to pay for something without the inconvenience of pulling the phone out of your pocket to pay for it that way, I suppose, has some incremental value. But keep in mind, Tom, that a lot of what the Apple Watch does depends uh, for its functionality on the close proximity of the iPhone. So if you move your iPhone too far away from your Apple Watch, <laughs> it's like a breakup. Uh, look, I I'm laughing at, at all of this, it, 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 but in all seriousness, and Apple's not listening, but they better take this <laughs> lukewarm, listen, they had better take this lukewarm reception seriously. And I'll tell you why. Because one bad product, one experience, that makes the owner feel stupid for choosing it. I'm telling you, that's enough to break the brand spell. Mm. And I remember this distinctly. I remember back in the, it was like the early 80s. My father was like a Cadillac fanboy. Mm -hmm. He traded in his old caddy and bought a new one every few years. And I remember one time he bought this, I think it was a maroon Eldorado or something. Mm -hmm. And it had this newfangled engine. 
called H64, where the cylinders would shut down when you weren't using them, all eight of them. And mm -hmm. now, okay, jobs to be done. The car was a car, just like Apple's watch is a is a watch. And, you know, it, it did what they said it would. It got them from place to place. It displayed the Cadillac status. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll tell you, because I remember being in that car, that breakthrough engine technology, that was a pain in his ass. The car bucked, stalled. It made weird noises. Mm. It pushed my father right over the edge. You didn't even want to be in the car with him. He was like that the father in the movie, A Christmas Story, when the <laughs> boiler went on, to, right? And I'm going to tell you, he never saw the inside of a Cadillac dealership again. Wow. So that's, that's what they've got to watch out for. You know, you break this spell. I mean, you've heard of Tattoo Gate, haven't you? Have you heard of this? No. Oh, this is a new thing. Oh, yes, yes. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, so now Apple has admitted that the tattoos on a user's wrist can interfere with the watch's ability to, to you know, to, to like do things like heart rate monitoring. Right. Because some of the tattoos block light from the sensor in the watch. <laughs> <laughs> so Apple, this is a la Steve Jobs. Remember when the antenna wasn't working? He said, well, then move your hand. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Apple's saying, well, then wires wirelessly connect the watch to an external heart rate monitor. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the thing, Tom. I mean, you really have to ask every time you add a new device to the... I don't know about you, but when I travel now and I'm thinking, okay, do I need this iPad? I've got the Mac and I've got the iPhone. Do I need the extra weight of this iPad? You really, exactly. you know, now we've got yet another device, except the difference between this one and an iPad is an iPad doesn't depend on the iPhone for its function. <laughs> That's right. You know? Well, time will tell, won't it, Mark? Time will tell. In the meantime, they're going to sell 15 million of these things. <laughs> exactly. Which is a few I more than I we have listeners. I had a bad book like that with <laughs> typos. <laughs> You're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. Reese Witherspoon. I love Reese Witherspoon. Who do, you love Reese Witherspoon, don't uh, you, Tom? Everybody loves Reese Witherspoon. Everybody does love Reese Witherspoon. Is she an actress? Is she an online retail brand? Um, it was in the news and uh, from The Wrap recently that the, the uh, article is titled Reese Witherspoon Launches Lifestyle Site Draper James, $85 Napkins, Southern Charm for Sale. Draper mm. James, Tom, which I guess is named after her, what is it, her, her grandparents or Grandmother, something? Grandmother, I think, yeah. Yeah, so this is basically, if you take Reese Witherspoon, put her into a, a and distill her through a, a blender, <laughs> right? Yep. And out comes the juice of Reese, which turns out to be J Draper James. It's basically Southern Charm um, a la Reese Witherspoon. If Reese Witherspoon were a retail establishment, this would be it, right? Here's, here's the funny thing. I, I, and I've, I've been seeing this. I've been talking about this for, for like, I don't know how many years now. Celebrities, as far as I'm concerned, they're on the very top of the hierarchy of brands. Mm -hmm. Because listen, we anthropomorphize brands. Right. We give brands human qualities, right? We identify with them. And I can't think of anything closer to being a human being than a celebrity. I mean, some of them aren't, but... <laughs> That's debatable. Right, but I mean, think, a woman says to herself, I'm like Reese Witherspoon. I have the same sense of style and Southern grace. So why not look to her as a source for gifts and clothing? But, and some other woman might say, well, I'm like, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow even though she has no idea what the hell Gwyneth is really like. Mm -hmm. But but who knows what any brand is really like, right? We only get what they want to show us. Well, that's right. 
I mean, for example, if you were to think, what would the Colin Farrell store be? I don't really know, but I don't think I'd want to shop there. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe for gym clothes or something. (laughs) But I mean, here's a case where she's essentially distilling her identity, an identity, by the way, which has much more to do with movies she made 10, 15 years ago, those kind of Southern romantic comedies, than the movies she made more recently. I mean, this is not, you know, if you saw Wild in the theaters last year, you know, this is not the brand that Wild would be. No, I saw all. that, exactly. That would be more like REI. Right. Um, but, no, in this case, it's rooted much in the, in the kind of the, the ancient history of her, of her acting identity. And, um, but it's interesting, and it, there are other celebrities doing this, as you indicate. Gwyneth Paltrow is uh, one example. Um, but people really don't know what Gwyneth Paltrow stands for. Reese Witherspoon actually does kind of, if you think of what does Reese Witherspoon stand for, it does. It stands for this. Well, they think they know. See, that's the thing is, is you know, you can portray something and people think they know who you are now. You know, you read all these books by Seth Godin. You think you know who Seth Godin is. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's the same thing. The, listen, identification, especially when it becomes internalized by the consumer, when the, when the identity of the celebrity becomes their identity, mm-hmm. that's at the heart of what makes brands valuable. I mean, that's why Nike uses celebrity endorsers, right? I'm a tiger. I'm like Mike. And even retail brands now are playing that game where they create these branded shops within their stores. But here's what's going on. This is what this, is what this Reese Witherspoon thing is all about. With e-commerce exploding, celebrities can bypass the bricks and mortar stores and they just create their own destination. And it's the same with authors. They don't have to go anymore to publishers, right? Mm-hmm. They can just bring them straight to their little storefront, whatever their website is. So this is a really interesting thing to watch. This relates to something I was going to ask you, which is what's the difference between this and the celebrity for Nike? What's the difference between this and Joan Rivers selling jewelry at QVC or Jacqueline Smith back in the day for Kmart? And what you're going to say is all of those examples involved celebrities on behalf of existing or kind of intermediate platform brands. And this is a case where the celebrity goes right to, the celebrity becomes the brand. The celebrity doesn't doesn't leverage a brand. Yeah, and it's more than just what the, let, let's take the example of Nike, right? So Nike says, okay, um, clothing, you know, we want to get an endorsement or we want to use Tiger Woods for, for our golf brand or whatever. And, and Reese Witherspoon and Gwyneth Paltrow and Jessica Alba, these celebrities are going a little bit deeper because they're, they're like curating things, mm-hmm. right? They're saying, Gwyneth is saying, okay. Supposedly. Yeah, health, Supposedly. fitness, mindfulness, come here for all of these things and I'll tell you what I've found. Items for sale at Draper James include four hand-embroidered cocktail napkins with messages like, pleased as punch for $85, costume jewelry like an intertwined pearl necklace for $200, and a canvas bag that reads totes y'all for $155. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Well, well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think someone should have sent us the canvas bag for us to really, truly, properly evaluate the veracity of this brand. No, you're right, and the, put the iWatch, you know, the Apple Watch in it, <laughs> and we'll 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 give them both a go. But this isn't going to stop. I mean, there's YouTube celebrities, you know, this that are doing their own, you know, lines of cosmetics. 
authors of every genre who keep releasing new books every 12 months, whether or not they have anything new and important to say. You even get Kim Kardashian, who just released uh, oh, close to 400-page coffee table book of selfie photos. <laughs> You know, aptly titled <laughs> Selfish, by the way. I thought that was pretty oh, good. Oh, man. I, it, it, yeah, it's interesting that um, the brand is that these guys are really um, uh, actual, activating their brands. I mean, that's what's going on here. These, these celebrities that have the capacity to, uh, to, to uh, leverage their own audiences are essentially saying, look, we've got an audience. A pub, uh, uh, an author has an audience. Um, that author leverages that audience directly. We have an audience. We're going to leverage it directly. We don't need a studio, and we don't need Kmart or Target. You've got it. But listen, brands have been doing it, right? It's called brand extension. Oh, I know what the brand means now. Okay, now I see that brand name somewhere else, Nike Golf. Oh, okay, I know what Nike stands for, Nike Golf. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's They're doing the same thing. Apple Watch. Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be careful how far you extend the brand, right? I forget who it was once said that it's like spandex. Just because you can wear it doesn't mean you should. <laughs> All right, it's time for rants and raves, Tom. What do you have this week? Oh, you're going to like this one. So this is a rant if you're an angel investor or a venture capital fund looking to cash in on some fuzzy new internet business model. Mm -hmm. But if you're a kid working on one of those businesses in the basement of your parents' home, then I would guess that, that this is a rave. Have you heard about the social networking app called Secret? That's the one that allows you to post anonymously? Yes. Didn't that just shut down? Yeah. Well, I'm reading about this, right? So the two brothers, they burned through their investors $25 million in less than a year. <laughs> The company was valued at $100 million in July. Now, they have promised to return the unspent capital to investors. But get this. They sold part of their stake for $3 million apiece last year. <laughs> now, what I love is how one of these guys, now a millionaire co-founding failure, this David Batau, he described <laughs> shutting down the business in his blog. Listen to what he says. He said, he wrote that the startup no longer reflects his initial vision. Mm -hmm. He said he would spend the next few weeks winding down operations gracefully rather than attempting a pivot. <laughs> and then he says, innovation requires failure. And I believe in failing fast in order to go on and make only new and different mistakes. I love this. He takes their money, these guys, and he gives them their own bullshit business rhetoric back at them. Initial vision, attempt to pivot, fail fast. I think that's hilarious. I'm sorry. Fail fast, but not fail cheap. And don't fail with my money. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, I have um, at least one rant. And no, at least one rave and at least two rants. Okay, that's how it's going to go. All right. Okay, let me give you the rave first because this is a good one. This is from uh, Tube Filter, which covers all things YouTube. And the post is titled, Madame Tussauds San Francisco to create wax figures of YouTube stars smosh. <laughs> now, <laughs> how do you find this stuff? <laughs> I, <laughs> so, so now he, we all know what Madame 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 Tussauds is, right? Right. It's that thing that Wax many museum, of us, right? Yes, many of us went into it when we were children, right? 
because it was that in Ripley's and that was all they had. Right. <laughs> that was all. There was that in three channels and that was it. That's it. And so evidently, um, Boris Karloff as the Frankenstein monster isn't bringing him in the way he used to. As a result, <laughs> for the first time ever, Madame Tussauds has done a deal with the YouTube star Smosh, which is a comedy, a couple of guys to do a comedy thing on YouTube. And they are going to be immortalized in wax at Madame Tussauds because, you know, obviously. <laughs> why? <laughs> well, here's why I think this is a raven or a, a raven, not a rant. Because what a great way to get Madame Tussauds talked about online. I, even if not one person who reads this <laughs> will ever, has ever, will ever go into Madame Tussauds, now they've actually become uh, culturally relevant because of this one move. No, you're right. You're right. So if you want the people that spread these things to talk about it, then you have to be self-reflective. You got to give them themselves to talk about Give them themselves. They will never walk through the front door and no doubt their parents will come in and say, who is Smosh and where's Boris Karloff? But, <laughs> but nevertheless, you're not going to, you'd have to buy a lot of ads otherwise, Tom. That's my point. All right. Number two, this is definitely a rant. This is from uh, Business Insider, and the article is titled, Apple has a playbook for killing free music, and it was written by Steve Jobs. Oh boy. This thing is so off-center, it's not even funny. But here's basically the gist of it. It says, look, Apple's trying to kill free music. It's not the first time the company has a playbook for this sort of thing. We know what's going on, right? Apple's trying to do deals with the labels to kind of shut down some of the exclusive, to create exclusive content for uh, the uh, soon-to-be relaunched Beats and uh, pull that content away from competitors, especially Spotify and others. So in so doing, um, the frustration is, well, iTunes isn't moving the way it used to. Uh, people aren't buying on iTunes the way it used to. That darn free music that everyone likes to listen to. Too much free stuff. Too much free stuff. And that's basically the gist of this. It said, look, the last time free music was a problem, it was 1999, and there was this thing called Napster, and Apple, thanks to Steve Jobs, shut it down because they put out the iTunes Store and the iPod and all that stuff that enabled people to have this wonderful ecosystem that allowed them to get music and actually pay for it. Labels happy, Apple happy, consumers happy. And that's the same thing today, and they're going to do the same thing all over again with the free music you can get through Spotify and Pandora and others um, once they do these deals with the labels. And I thought, well, that all is fine, except it's completely no comparison. Yeah, exactly. In, in 1999, there was no easy, convenient way to get and consume free music besides radio. The, I mean, this is a they what Apple did in '99 was to create a business model out of something people were already doing, all but albeit legal, illegally, right? Yeah, the, the masses. You know, Napster wasn't something the masses were using. No, and not at all, because it was too complicated. And Apple said, we can make this easy, and we can make it profitable for us and for you, the label, right. and we can make this tolerable for the audience. And this notion that free to the consumer means free, period, is completely wrong. I mean, right. spot, to date, Spotify has spent... Two, Spotify alone, $2 billion in royalties to date. That is not free. <laughs> the issue of whether I'm going to pay for it or someone else will pay for it is not the same as nobody pays for it. 
That's so right. again, um, they're not trying to, you know, th- th- today the Spotify's and Pandora's, they're not trying to extort money from people. Um, they're tr- simply trying to give people music to the degree that they are, that they're interested in that music and short of the degree to which they want to pay for it. You just cannot get people to pay for music uh, beyond a certain uh, point. Otherwise, uh, it amounts to extortion. So that's number two. I'm a little serious on that one. I'm sorry. I know. And here's the here's it's here's the close to home for you. here's the silly one we talked about uh, over this week. Um, a new <laughs> plugin for WordPress that I discovered, I shared with you, and you and I both thought this was fabulous. Oh, geez. and it's called Headliner. H e a d l i n r because. You know, why would you include that E if you know you can't trademark it with the E? No, you have to pay for it if you want the E. You gotta pay for it. (laughs) Headliner is your virtual copywriting slave that works tirelessly to get more clicks and traffic with headlines people can't ignore because it's all in the headline. It's all in the headline, Tom. (laughs) This particular uh, plugin for I don't know twenty thirty dollars, and by the way, only available for another day or two, or at least that's what it's been saying for the last week or so. And you have to, you choose from, what you do is you enter a noun, um, and then the plugin riffs on that noun and gives you up to 315 proven headline combinations for any niche, offer, topic, or type of content. So that, and by the way, only 315. So in the future. We should create something. We should create something that narrows down headlines. I think. I think those are too many options, quite frankly. If they're in the future, we're only going to have 315 headlines, according to Headliner, then uh, I don't know. That seems too complicated to me. It is. So, yes, here's a tool that for $20 or $30 allows you to demystify headlines. So, for example, if you were to put in, I don't know, in our case, media, the, uh, some of the uh, samples would be media secrets finally exposed. Media secrets you wish you knew one year ago. Media secrets reveal all. Well, okay, that doesn't even make any sense. Media secrets the lazy man's way. <laughs> yeah, see, because we know that what people read and they consume with regard to media is all driven by the headlines. You and I know this because remember I had you do that experiment yes. and create those crazy headlines? Yes. And we got the least listens of any show we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it's, it's always an experiment. We're going to see what happens with Apple Watch fail because that's intended to be link bait. You know this, right? Oh, I know. I, know. I can only say that now at the end of the podcast. <laughs> I know. That's where we get all of these uh, investors, these day traders. They're going to see that and want to know whether they should be selling really quickly. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Uh, I mean, you've done this. If When you go to these conferences with uh, investor types, the financial types, and if you want to get a lot of attention, just say something controversial that involves a major brand, exactly. uh, and they will flock to you. I, I I had one guy who I saw. He said, uh, "Search is broken." That was it. And he had <laughs> that was it. He had ten <laughs> financial people swamping him. It's amazing. All right, that is Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes and on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. You can also catch us at SoundCloud, Podcast One, Radio Inc., Media Biz Bloggers, and Net News Check. You can follow the great Tom Asacker on Twitter at Tom Asacker. 
and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet it. And if it looks like a lot of people will search for it on Google, we'll even use it. <laughs> you can read the show notes and share the show at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the producer of Media Unplugged, the wonderful, fantabulous Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For Tom Asecker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening. <laughs>